Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has run. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we start talking buffs, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and their app. Use code BSN20 to save 20% and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump into the show. All right, guys, I'm here today with Andre Simone. Like I said yesterday, I didn't screw up and like kick him off the pod or something like he agreed to come on and we're happy oh, yeah. to have him. Oh, I uh, very much agreed. How's it going, Andre? Doing good. I Does uh, rumor have it that you checked out Total Bev uh, recently? I did. I went to Total Bev today and uh, really, really snot stocked up. Not snocked up. I was thinking about the Nas <laughs> concert, so that end snuck in there. Wow. Yeah, wow. going to see Nas and Mary J. Blige tonight, which Look is going to be awesome. You. Oh, living your best life. No way. That is Buffs Pod legend Ali Monroy in the same room with us. Doesn't have a mic, sitting but she just said she is the also table going. with She's her two you. laptops. Super, super Buffs legend Ryan Koenigsberg here. You're kind of here now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going to spread these mics out real quick. What's up, peeps? Oh, uh, <laughs> hi. No one can respond <laughs> back. Oh, I was, I was waiting for them to, like, cheer or something. Oh, we can put that in. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, we need that post-production. 
Um, walrus is dead. Yep. Um, what what up. else have we not caught up with in these two years? Walrus is dead. Puns are still bad. Mm-hmm. And facts, facts. Uh, here's what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and the all name team is terrible and should not be started again. This office, oh. the all name team is the greatest thing of all time. This office suddenly has a lot of CSU representation in it, and I'm not okay with it. It's it's always going to be CU dominant, like all things, but <laughs> there is a lot of CSU uh, chatter going on in here, and I know Henry has mentioned this to you guys, but they're talking about, oh, we've sold more shirts than you guys. Oh, they've sold one more shirt. One, uh, one more shirt, which is debatable because there's two options for CU fans. Hey, Ryan, what are you wearing right now? I'm wearing my Philip Lindsay Homegrown, which is the second option, or you can get the new version, the Sco shirt. I just think you guys, the listeners, need to take care of this by blowing CSU out of the water, just like the Buffs have done for the last four years and on the football field. And we'll do again this yep. year. So subscribe using that uh, that promo code, Sco Buffs. I know, I've gone full corporate on you. Yeah, but I mean, well, like, it's a good point. Out, guys, Those are great though. shirts, and we seriously can't be losing to CSU in something like this. This is embarrassing. Like, I don't know. I the, You walk around town. I've never even, like, met, like, a Rams fan around town. Like, I see some Buffs gear, but I've never actually seen, like, a guy wearing green and gold, like, repping the Rams. How do they have more subs? Which is funny because they always talk about how, like, oh, they have this great, um, this, like, massive alumni base in Denver. But you just never see them. It's like uh, it's like David Dahl, you know. Oh. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, like there was a joke on Mouths Rocky's have dropped. Uh, in Rocky's uh, Twitter for a long time that David Dahl didn't actually exist. It's kind of like the CSU alumni base in Denver. Does it actually exist? I don't, no one really knows. Yeah, no, we seriously need to crush them. This is this is gonna be like your new hub for Buffs coverage. We need everybody to buy in. Use that SCO Buffs code S K O B U F F S. Save ten dollars. Get yourself a free shirt. It's thirty four ninety nine for a full year of this stuff, and you get the exclusive right to comment on these podcasts. So when Ryan and Allie and Andre are on, you get to have us talk about whatever you want to talk about. Also, just do the OG OG followers. We're going to be on here more. Like, come on, just su- support. Yes. We've all, because of your support throughout the years, Ryan was able to move up and go cover the bo- the Broncos. I was able to move up as well. So, I mean. So if you like Henry, don't support him so he can't move up and <laughs> Oh, life. that's true. Wait. <laughs> no, but one, one more quick thing is uh, Henry and I are going to be uh, sitting down with Coach Tucker tomorrow. Uh, and so I'm going to be able to write a buff story, which I'm really excited about because I haven't done that in a while. Um, but you're not going to be able to see it unless you subscribe. Yeah, and that's Ryan breaking some BSN Buffs news right there that we do have a sit-down with Mel Tucker, so you guys should be ready to hear about that tomorrow on the show. But more importantly, read the coverage that we get out of it because it's going to be great stuff. Oh, Allie wants to talk some more. The, the two mics for four people thing isn't going great. Um, also, we're going to be putting out a lot of fun videos for you Buffs fans on Henry and I breaking down what's going on the week before, what happened during after the game, and then we also have some media day, media day coverage for you guys coming out this week. Just wanted to add that. Nice. All right. I think we're actually ready to talk some Buffs now instead of talking about how much 
how much support we need from you guys and why we think that you should be giving it to us. Um, so the big news today that we want to talk about is that Daniel Jeremiah was on a Philadelphia Eagles show. He was talking about wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. Yep. And what he said was that, you know, the way the Buffs used LaVisca, they've put him everywhere. They've put him in the slot. They've put him in the Wildcat. They've had him running powers and counters. They've had him lining up at tight end and H-back. Here's the quote from Daniel Jeremiah that I think we want to talk about. He said, I talked to Mel Tucker off to the side. I worked with him in Cleveland. He said, we will not be seeing all of that stuff this year. I'm not sure if that's for public consumption, but they're going to take a lot of that stuff off his plate. They're going to run more routes on the tree, and he actually can run them. And that's my question. You know, he's been running the post, the slant, the go, hitch, that's it. He's going to get a chance to do some more this year. I've talked a lot about how I want to see him run those intermediate routes and not just those routes that he mentioned. So it's interesting that Daniel Jeremiah has the scoop that Mel Tucker is going to have LaVisca run those routes. What do you think of that, Dre? I mean, for starters, we suspect that he might be a BSN subscriber and has read your uh, bus film room on Visca because you, you brought up the same concern about his blocking ability, yeah? Yeah. And uh, we've talked about his route running and how it uh, needs to be doing more stuff in the intermediate routes, yep. for sure. And that could really help his stock. You know, that might quiet down some of the draft Twitter chatter that Visca can't create separation, which is uh, absurd sometimes. Yep. Um... So, yeah, and it would make sense to not have your best weapon blocking for the passing game all Yeah, the when time, you have right? four people running routes, the one guy not running a route should should definitely not be LaVisca Chenault. It just doesn't make sense. And so, I, I don't know, it's really interesting, and that's exactly what we wanted to hear. You know, I think Daniel Jeremiah had a good point when he said this might not be for public consumption because I've tried to get this out right. of these guys. Right. I've tried to get them to say that they're going to be running more of that stuff and that they aren't just going to... I mean, he, they named the same routes that I've been talking about. They either send him deep downfield, they either send him across on like a slant or a drag, they'll put him on some post routes, he runs a lot of hitches because he gives that little shove at the top of the route and turns around and gets separation. Doesn't look like much because it isn't a big push, but he's so strong that it gets him separation. Yeah, those are the four routes he ran. We're going to see a lot more, and I'm excited to see that. Yeah, Visca's a cheat code against press, not just because he's so physical, but because of his acceleration. I can't get that point out enough. But yeah, uh, just makes a whole lot of sense to do that, it and does. I think they have been fairly sensitive about not not trying to compare last year to this year, not trying to put down the the McIntyre staff. Um, which, of course, the offensive coordinator is still there. Because and, like, Cheverini was right, calling the and, plays. Right. Um, so, hey, like I get it. But, yeah, it's nice that the things that we see on tape and people like Fran Duffy, who's the guy who's interviewing Jeremiah in that video, and Daniel Jeremiah, people who might have a little more clout in the scouting world, are seeing the same thing. And when they've had a chance to talk to Mel Tucker – they're uh, getting the intel that, yeah, we're not going to be doing that. We're going to be doing a little more um, common sense stuff with the most dynamic wide receiver in the country. And before we move on to just a little bit more LaVisca Chenault talk, I got to give a shout out to at GoBuffs2204 on Twitter, 303 Sports. He uh, He's the guy who showed me this video and... Shout I mean, out to him. it's Great big stuff. stuff. It's yeah. big stuff. And if you guys haven't seen it, I'll retweet that later today. We'll probably we'll, I'll retweet it from the BSM Buffs Twitter account too. Not a boy. Uh, 
But there is another question I want to ask you, Dre, about LaVisca Chenault. And it's something that we've talked about and we've heard Mel Tucker talk about it. And it's something that I saw on Saturday at open practice. LaVisca Chenault might be returning punts this season. What's your take there? Yeah, so uh, taking the blocking responsibilities like giving him returner responsibilities don't like. Um, Now, uh, look, A, I think he'd be amazing at it because there are a few... I mean, where Visca is really special is with the ball in his hands as a runner, right? He's one of the great yak producers in all of football. Seriously, he's a game changer. You put him at punt returner, he's a top two punt returner in the Pac-12. Right, so if there's a game where it's like, uh, we got 10 seconds left, down by six, yeah, put him as a kick returner. You know, know, it's like the Hail Mary of special teams, basically. You put Visca back there to return the punt. In any other circumstance, you need to have enough people on that roster to to make it work without putting Visca in, in a dangerous situation because he's too important for the program to be doing that. Yeah, but here's my question. You know, if, if that's too dangerous for him, then why are you still lining him up in the Wildcat? Why are you having him just run full speed ahead right into middle linebackers? Why are you having him dive at defensive ends' knees trying to take them out while other people are out there running routes? Well, that's where you should be taking away the blocking yes. responsibilities, right? Yes. I mean, that goes without saying. I like him as, as, as to carry the ball in, in wildcat situations. Maybe it's selfishly because it's so damn entertaining. And, you know, when when they're doing that, it's third and short, fourth and short when they need to pick up yards. They're right, high in the red situation. He was a touchdown machine last yep. year, you know, because he's just he's impossible to stop. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you you just have to pick your poison with this type of a this type of a playmaker where it's like, yeah, we know he can do everything. But you you got to you got to pick your spots and uh, good situational football and make it all work. Another thing is, I mean, we talk a lot about wearing him down over the course of a season or, you know, like you could just when when he's taking 15 hits a play or per game, one of those hits could knock him out for a game or two. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it works. Yeah. To me, I don't understand why the line is drawn at punt returner. I think that if you're if you're letting him do those other things, let him return some kicks. Let's see if he can be explosive. And when you look back at the guys who've won the Heisman at receiver, they've all been returners. Yep. Yep. Good point. You know, what's interesting is the one, sadly, the one Buffs game I saw live last year. Um, it was just, you know, I had a kid. So it was the the year where I saw the least amount of live college football that I have in, in the last few was against Arizona State and Nikhil Harry, right? That mm-hmm. was the big attraction. That's why I went to that game was yep. because I do draft stuff. I wanted to see Nikhil Harry. And Visca really stole the show. Um, and actually, Nikhil Harry got knocked out of the game because Drew Lewis sneakily went out of bounds, came back in, and just walloped Harry on a great return. And that put Harry out of the game. And those are the kind of things that you risk doing. Now, it kind of worked for Arizona State with Harry last year. Though, again, if they win that game and they have a better chance of winning it, if Harry's in it the entire time, they win the Pac-12 South. It's true. Which uh, can't be understated. That's a, you know, that's, (laughs) I mean, in retrospect, if they knew that's how key that injury could have been, you know, they're probably not doing that stuff. 
Um, but no, it's it's interesting that this has happened even in the recent past in the Pac-12 South with another like star wide receiver. Yeah, the thing is though, the Buffs aren't going to be in bowl contention unless they really, really put Lavisca like put the game on Lavisca's shoulders every time. And so you have uh-huh. to figure out like, sure, you're worried about running him into the ground, but at the same time, that's probably what it takes for this team to be what we all want it to be, what we hope to see from them. And yeah. maybe that means yeah. that you have to take the risk and say, you know what, LaVisca's got to go back there because against Oregon, we're going to need a couple uh, not fluky plays because LaVisca producing as a punt returner isn't a fluke, but it is a risk. It's a chance that you're taking mm-hmm. because there's a chance he gets hurt, there's a chance he brings right. it back for a touchdown, and you might need that against a team like Oregon or a team like, like Washington or, I mean, a lot of these guys, Utah. Right. Those aren't winnable games unless everything breaks right and you're yeah. getting every advantage you can pull out of your team. So give me the insights. What are you hearing? How realistic is this? I don't know. I don't know. Because we so we saw on Saturday that LaVisca Chenault was catching punts. This was a punt coverage drill. Okay. So it isn't even working on the punt return. Yeah, so yeah. it could be that these are the guys who were free at the time, mm-hmm. like who aren't on punt coverage, okay. so they could be used there. But so yeah, it was him. It was three other receivers, Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley, and Tony Brown. Wow. Which is interesting. Because last year the punt returner uh Ronnie Blackman was very good. I think Phil Steele had him picked to be second team All Pac-12 wow. returner this yeah. year, but then he transferred out. This spring, right. Mel Tucker didn't list any returners on the depth chart, so we mm. don't know where anything stands. That was our first and probably only glimpse before the season starts. Right. But when we asked Mel about it, Mel said, "You know, Lavisca's eligible for that job. Uh, we think he could be good." And then he quickly transitioned into. There's situations when all you want to do is catch the ball and your first focus is catching and then returning. And so I read that as he's probably only going to be back there in situations where they're worried about possession when they don't want somebody back there who's going to drop the ball. And they might just tell him fair catch it no matter what. Right, right, which might be... You know, what's interesting, though, I wonder if that was just, like, who was available... Or if Mel Tucker is taking a page out of guys like Saban, who is coached under, and Urban Meyer, who I don't, I know Mel coached at Ohio State. I, I don't, don't believe he intersected. I don't think with he did. Urban Meyer, no, he didn't. It was the early two thousands. Urban wasn't there though. But that's something that especially Meyer does is put some of his best players on the punt coverage team. And then, hmm. you know, it's because they want, they really value special teams and they want that special teams unit to be balling. And the guys who do play special teams, they'll get like the swag the team gets. They get first pick at it and stuff. And it's like yeah. kind of all ingrained to their culture is yeah. that we're going to give, you know, this special teamers have a real value to us and who's willing to sacrifice and put their body on the line will get special treatment because of it. So those teams, and even Saban's done this kind of thing, you'll see guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, like yeah, future first-rounders sure. out there, and it's it's because they just value special teams that much. So I wouldn't be surprised to see an emphasis in that and see guys um, like Visca, like KD, put on those units. It's interesting. It'd be a change. I don't know that many other teams in the Pac-12 are doing that. And let's end this conversation with just one last thought that just kind of popped in my mind. I mean, I haven't been studying special teams the last few years, but the one sure. play I remember having LaVisca on the field for 
was when there was a fumble on the punt return, he picked the ball up for his first touch ever, returned it all the way down the field for a touchdown. He had that in him as a freshman. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we know wow. he can do it. Crazy. We know he can do it. Okay, moving yeah. along now, there's one more story. So we talked a little bit about the video that we saw the Eagles put out, talking about potential draft picks with Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, there was another thing that came out today from ESPN where they broke down the expectations for every college yep. football coach in the country. Um, for Colorado, obviously Mel Tucker is the head coach now. Uh, here's what they had to say. Breaking news on the bus pod. <laughs> yeah. 2018 record 5-7. and seven. Projected 2019 wins, 3.9 according to FPI, 4.5 according to S&P+. So that's where they see them. Odds of bowl eligibility, 25%. And they wrote a couple paragraphs. It said, in each of the two years since their 2016 Pac-12 South title run, the Buffaloes finished just 5-7. and seven. They started 3-0 in 2017 and 5-0 in 2018, then fall, fell apart from there. That sets a pretty natural bar at 500 for Tucker, a former NFL and Georgia defensive coordinator and first-time head coach. So does the urge to not waste what is likely receiver LaVisca Chenault Jr.'s last season in Boulder. Uh, mm. Clearing that bar will be difficult, though. Quarterback Steven Montez in a solid secondary return, but a dreadful return game might not improve. Or bed, dreadful run game. Sorry, that's still on my mind. And the defensive right. front seven will be incredibly green. And while the schedule doesn't feature many sure losses, it has even fewer sure wins. Expectations and reality haven't played nicely in Boulder for a while now, and 2019 might not be any different, even if Tucker eventually turns out to be a strong hire. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there, and that's exactly what we're going to do in the second segment as Andre and I break down the entire Buffs schedule for this season and talk through the games we think they'll win, what when, when we think they'll lose, and which games are kind of up in the air. And that will really decide how this team fares in 2019. Uh, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them so RSVP and have a good time lots to unpack there too but uh, all I can say is I love me some strawberry sky strawberry sky is incredible yeah Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. 
moving along now, I'm Henry Chisholm here, your host, like every day on the BSM Buffs podcast. And today we have a special guest, Andre Simone, with us. Oh, yeah. And right now we're going to start at the top of the schedule and work our way all the way through the season for the Buffs and kind of talk through every matchup, starting with the Rocky Mountain Showdown, Friday, August 30th. Dun, at dun, Mile dun. High, I'm going to call it Mile High Stadium. Is Please that all right? Please do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're talking to the one person who would have never named it anything other than Mile High, <sighs> or maybe not the one person. But I'm like the, the. I have a lot of. I'm. That's like your the, claim to fame. At the office, I'm the guy who has the old man takes, and that's one of my old man <laughs> takes. And I think it's <laughs> I one like of my better it. old man takes. So yeah. yeah. All right. Friday, August 30th, Colorado State, 8 p.m. Broncos Stadium, Mile High Stadium, whatever. I mean, we both have this as a Buffs win, right? Yeah. You might be a little more bullish on taking the, the points favored by 11 yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I just I just would warn better. You know, uh, rivalry games, you never quite know. Though I have, I have thoughts on the whole rivalry thing that you might have to. We'll wait on another pod for that. But I think we both have that penciled in as a win. That might be the only game that you can truly pencil in as a W on the schedule. Yeah, it or it, not I even think it pencil is. in. You can write the W in with a sharpie. I I'm think. there's no reason to be worried about this one. I mean, sure, uh, it's Mel Tucker's uh, first game. It's a rivalry, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. This team is so ready though, and I had like a little bit of a rant about this yesterday on the podcast. But I, the the Buffs are gonna win this football game. They're just a better team. They're better coached. They're better coached than they even were last year. And I think that they're going to be ready to come out and prove that the first game of the season. So yeah. let's move along to where things... I mean, this is probably the most interesting game of the season. Saturday, September 7th versus Nebraska up in Boulder. What's your first thought here, Dre? That finally this is happening in Colorado and I'm living in Colorado. <laughs> um, finally. I grew up as a kid, like my grandpa would mail me uh, VHS recordings of this when huh. I was living in Italy. Um, so few few games have a kind of a greater aura or um, just like prestige or like a, a special place in my heart than this Nebraska game. And to be at Folsom to watch this is going to truly be special for me. Um, and I think in general, it's going to be a pretty special game after what was a pretty outstanding matchup last season as well. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that was the game of the year, probably. Well, for uh, the buffs, yes. For the buffs, yeah. yes. Uh, so what? who do you think has the better squad in 2019? Well, you know, it, uh, tough to say. Um, really? A lot comes down to the quarterbacks. Um, yep. Obviously... Martinez looks like the better quarterback as a dual threat yep. in that exciting Scott Frost offense. And there are some intriguing playmakers around him, uh, some talented offensive tackles. Mm -hmm. um, so just all the elements you'd want in an offense are there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, though, if Montez plays the way he did against the Huskers last year, watch out because uh, CU's offensive talent is... I mean, it's it's second to very few. I wouldn't say it's second to none because there are the Alabamas and the Clemsons of yep. the world out there. Uh, but it's it. I don't think it's you know lesser than Nebraska's talent, and it's more proven talent. On Interesting, offense. because the thing is, when you talk about Stephen Montez, we say you know if he has a good season, he's in NFL draft contention. Oh yeah. When we talk about Adrian Martinez, though, 
he has a good season, he might be in Heisman contention. Yes. There's yeah. there is a gap in talent right there. And it's it's going to it's going to take a great effort from Steven Montez again because when you look back to last year, there was some fluky stuff that happened. I mean, fair. Colorado fair. scores two touchdowns on two Nebraska fumbles, yeah. then gives up 21 straight points. Nebraska outgained Colorado 565 to 395. Yeah, so that's that a happened. that's that a big happened. gap. That's a and big then gap. Martinez gets hurt, and then Martinez gets hurt, of course, which is the flukiest thing of all. I mean, if we want to talk fluky stuff, yeah. But I, again, um, it was a great game. Obviously, it was competitive. This could go either way. I mean, it's coming back to Boulder. That should be an advantage. Right. And, I mean, this will be one of the better home crowds the that Folsom's had in a For long, sure. long time. And talking to the guys, they've been saying that Mel Tucker's been bringing in guests, former buffs who are part of the old rivalry, mm-hmm. to explain what exactly the Nebraska game means for Colorado. It's good stuff. But it's also, I mean, Scott Frost in his second year, Adrian Martinez in his second year. They're moving from, like, kind of an air raid type thing into an option offense like they used to run right and it's the second year of that transition it's like a modern option uh, option offense yeah and there's they're they're really transitioning from what was more of a pro style with riley became a little air raidy and like trying to just spread it out and sling it all over the field with their transfer quarterbacks um tanner lee i think yeah boy he was awful at the senior bowl when we saw him um, and right now they're going to do a little more option stuff with which with that quarterback is going to be uh, intriguing. And we know with, you know, like the struggles and defending guys like Khalil Tate, the Buffs have had trouble with that. But I think I think Mel Tucker will be ready for that. And I think this yep. group of young linebackers will be ready for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very high on this group of linebackers outside and inside. I think there's some talent. And I think Mel Tucker might be the perfect coach to kind of unleash those guys on the world. And yet it's a toss-up, and a lot of it will come down to the two guys under center. It will. And to go back to those linebackers, what we know these linebackers can do well, whether it's Nate Landman, John Van Deest, the outside guys, they do a great job defending the run. They're going to stuff everything up the middle. It's pass coverage where you have some concerns. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, I mean... Nebraska is going to be running the football. That's what they want to do with their running backs, with their yeah. quarterback. Yeah. And so that is kind of a good matchup right there. Right. But to me, I mean, there's a quarterback matchup, but then there's also just the fact that Nebraska, this is their second year in all these transitions. It's the first year for the Buffs. Nebraska is green on defense, is the thing. I think greener than the Buffs are. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I got to tell you, I'm leaning, I'm leaning a, a, a CUW here. Are you? I'm still leaning Nebraska, but I think we're on the same page that this really could go either way, especially when you factor in that it is a rivalry game, and that means that weird things do happen. It's always unpredictable. I wonder if Scott Frost is having speakers come in to talk about the importance of that. Oh, he's got us. I'm sure. I'm sure. Right? Do you think he is? Oh, I think he must be. See, and that's the thing. Nebraska, they've always liked to make this out to not be a rivalry. Huh. You know, to them, the, the Oklahomas of the world were rivalries. And yeah. Once they moved to the Big Ten, I think they were, like, ready to make Iowa and, you know, th- those other games in the Big Ten rivalries. And, like, they, they kind of just gloss over. It's CU. like a little brother type thing. Absolutely. But, like, Scott Frost, I mean, maybe they don't even need to bring in anybody else because he's a guy who can kind of talk about what this rivalry well, was. I mean, th- that... The way that game ended really set up their season to be a failure last year. Yes, it did. 
So if, if they ever needed motivation to beat CU, it should be this year where it's like, you know, these guys knocked our quarterback out and ruined our season. So, yep. yeah, we want to beat them. We do not take it lightly that they they beat us at home. Yep. All right. Those are our takes on Nebraska. Let's move along now to week three, Saturday, September 14th versus Air Force. An 11 a.m. start. Uh, this won't be as easy as it might look on paper. It'll be good that the Buffs are at home, though the home crowds better show up uh, with an early start. I think that, you know, the thing about teams like Air Force, and this would be a great question for you to ask Mel and his staff um, and some of the defensive players, is how much have they spent in the spring and summer preparing for the triple option? I think that they've been preparing. You would think so. I think that they have been, yes. Especially for some of the Nebraska stuff they might see. And Mel Tucker at Georgia, that defense got to face Georgia Tech every year. So he knows how to coach and how to defend that type of an offense. And again, I think this could be another big day for those linebackers. Again, yeah, no, this is the matchup. This is why you need Nate Landman to be a first-team All-Pac-12 linebacker this year for this for this squad to live up to its potential. You need Great him point. to do that. We talk about Visco a lot, but you need Landman to live up to the, his upside just as much, if not yep. more. And then you need John Van Dees to step up. And yep. again, from everything we've heard, you know, I got a chance to talk to him yesterday, and he said, you know, this is a competition for the starting inside linebacker job, and we all understand that, and we're competing with each other for that. We still have good relationships, but I have been working as first team inside linebacker, and nobody else has, and I plan on keeping it that way. Right. That's how he sees things. And so everything else that we've heard from everybody else has been that, he has lived up to expectations that he has been performing well at that spot. And again, this is another early game where you need a guy who hasn't played much football to step up because he will be a crucial right. part of this game. Those will be big games for the outside backers too. Um, who, who I'm, I'm fairly high on what they could do as well. You know, the Colliers of the world and, and what have you. So uh, yeah. it, this has to be you, Davion Taylor too. This has to be a win, but, do not take the Falcons lightly because they could easily win this game. Yep. So I think we agree. You pick the buffs here. So I have them at 3-0. and have You have win. them at 2-1. and Yep. And just one more night on those uh, outside linebackers. Carson Wells yeah. has been getting so much hype. So much hype. Even yesterday, Mel Tucker said stuff. he's probably the most underrated player on this roster. That's big. Outside linebackers are in That's good big. shape. Yeah, I I like the youth and the talent they have at outside linebacker for sure. You know, we haven't even talked about Joshua Allen. No. Well, no. and and then you have uh, at star, Makai Blackman, who apparently could be the guy right, there ahead of Davion Taylor. We heard uh, again today, Mel Tucker said, Makai has been very impressive that he's had a lot of fun working with him and that he is working at star like uh, Makai told me a couple days ago. Right. So, mm. yeah. Yes. And that's kind of an interesting thing about this team is that they have so many pieces that you don't know who's going to be this or see the field. It's the same thing at safety with Aaron Maddox, Mark Perry, Trey Udofia, uh, the Rakestra. Uh, you have the transfer coming in from SMU, uh, Mikhail, Mikhail Anu, I believe his name. I'm, I'm still working on some names. But, yeah, it's a... Yeah, we've talked about him in private, and I'm blanking. I, th it, it, I think it is Mikhail Anu. But uh, the thing is, when you have so many talented players and there isn't 
it, it isn't clear who needs to see the field, that that gives you some versatility. You can put them all in in different packages where you think that their strengths will be amplified best instead of just forcing the same 11 guys to play every position in every different defense, you right. know? And hopefully we're not drinking the uh, the Kool-Aid here. And, um, you know, there's this competition is an indication of the type of talent they have and not that uh, they're kind of lacking for talent and they're having trouble even finding starters. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing. And that's something that I've said a couple times on this show is that we kind of have to go off of what Mel Tucker tells us is happening at practice. Mm -hmm. And so it could be true that it's actually that way. Mel had some interesting stuff to say today, kind of in that same line. He said, you know, I'm telling you guys what's really going on. If things aren't going well, I would tell you that because we need to give these guys a kick in the butt to keep them moving. I, I he, it's it, honestly, it kind of sounded like he had been listening to the show and listening to what I was saying about it because he was saying, you know, I'll praise guys when they need to be praised. I'm going to, I'm going to be hard on guys who need to be like, need to hear that because yeah. that just being honest, that's putting everything out in the open. And that's what makes this team better when do you make it very clear what it is working and what needs to be improved moving along now that was kind of a long segment uh to week four saturday september 21st at arizona state what do you think of this one road games in conference not won't be easy for this team given the uncertainty the sun devils have at quarterback we talked about yep, that last time did. i was on the show and i mean uncertainty look they have some legit talents there too i'm not not trying to knock them I think this could be that one. Well, I've I've got two interconference road wins, but this could be the first one, and that's what I'm predicting here. Yeah, I, I think I think the Buffs win. This is scary. Again, it's going to rely on that front seven to stop the run. ASU's offensive yes. line was Eno Benjamin. Got to stop him. Yeah, do not mess around with that dude. The offensive line last year was one of the ten semifinalists for the Joe Moore Award which is like ASU best was. offensive line. ASU was yeah. blocking they, for Eno Benjamin, who right. had 1,600 yards in his back this year. And they lose Casey Tucker, who was a graduate transfer from Stanford, one of their more talented guards. But aside from that, they're returning some talent. Yeah, I think they lose two starters, but mm. return a bunch of very experienced guys yeah. in the other three spots. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. I, I have the Buffs winning this one. Just because I do like this front seven, I think that they can slow them down. And I think yeah. that with their offense, they should be putting up quite a few points. I'll be honest. Arizona State might be the hardest Pac-12 team for me to get a feel for right now. I think that's fair. You know, there's just a lot. I, I think by the time we get to the you know late September, when this game comes around, we'll have a much better feel for who the Sun Devils are and how tough of a matchup this will truly be. I agree. But we both have them winning. I have them going to 3-1. and one. You have them to 4-0. Four and zero. Four and oh, Again, hot start. Again. Um, and then it gets tough. Week five, you get the bye. You know, there's, there's something. It's tough to read right now <laughs> whether that's a, like, a good spot for a bye or not. Uh, let's move along, though, to week six, Saturday, October 5th, against Arizona. Yeah, boy, I almost hate that there's that long of inactivity from the 21st to the 5th. That's a long time. Yeah, long time to be off. And you being a little rusty because you've been off for that long is not the best recipe for stopping Khalil Tate. No, it isn't. And Known the Buffs have had trouble doing that. Buffs killer. Another big game for those linebackers. 
In this game, I do not believe in the Buffs linebackers, sadly. Um, I just think Khalil Tate is too good. I also think in Sumlin's second year that Arizona will be will be a lot better. Um, they're returning eight potential starters from a season ago on offense. I think things things will get tricky there. Yeah, I think they'll get tricky too. It's going to be interesting just because, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this last week when you were on the pod, but he he ran for like what? I want to say over 300 yards in the first game against Colorado. The next season against Colorado, he threw for 350 and five touchdowns. Now he's a senior. I mean, there's still some of that Heisman hype. It kind of dropped off last year. He wasn't what everybody expected him to be. No. But, again, another year under Kevin Sumlin. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. Right, and it could be that things don't work out and Tate's not even starting, and all of a sudden I see this game much differently. Yep. For now, I give Tate the advantage. That's the first loss. At home, I have the Buffs winning. I, I think, like it. I, I mean, think that this is 4-1. We both have them at 4-1. and one. Yep. Heading into week seven, Friday, October 11th at Oregon at 8 p.m. <sighs> it's a night game at Outson. It's... But they uh, face a lot of talented <laughs> offenses. Let me tell do. you that much. They really um, do. And yeah, going going to Eugene, it's it's just tough unless uh, unless the Ducks have some injuries piling up at that point, um, or you know Justin Herbert really kind of falls apart mentally. Um, I think this will be too big a task to overcome. Agreed. Oregon. I mean, were they picked first or second in the Pac-12 North? There was like a two-point difference. Between them and Washington. I mean, Washington. It depends on who you see. I mean, I think most, I think the majority have had Oregon winning the Pac 12 North. It's really tight, though. Those are kind of the two best teams in the North. Then you have Utah in the South. And really, it's those three teams who we expect to be competing for a conference title. Are, Are you on the same page there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's those three teams, and that's the rest of the conference. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can say, like, Oregon State's in, like, a tier of its own below. Maybe you want to separate, like, USC up into, like, the like a second tier above right. the rest. But but basically, to me, it's a two-tier conference. There's those three teams, then there's the other nine. And it's just going to be wide open behind those three for bowl contention. Right, right. Both call that a loss. Both yeah. say four and two. Yep. Week 8, Saturday, October 19th at Washington State. Another tough road game. And, I mean, with his experience coaching all around the country at top programs, Mel Tucker's faced similar offenses to Washington State. Uh, make no mistake. But, boy, the, the pirate Mike Leach, he's a tough one yeah. to prepare for. Yep, he is. And I'm high on Gage Gubrud, who's going to be yep. the quarterback there yep. this season. I think that he gets underrated because he comes from the FCS. I, I again, this this is a game that I think Colorado could win. I think that they'll be Absolutely. they'll be right in it. But I mean, Washington State beat Colorado 31-7 in Boulder last season. Yeah, I do, I mean, it was ugly. It was ugly, and I think that the Buffs do lose this game. I think that. I mean, what what do I have? I have them losing to Nebraska, which I think is a toss-up, beating Arizona State, beating Arizona, who I, I think those are both toss-ups, and then losing to Washington State, the fourth toss-up. I have them two and two so far in these toss-up games. Yeah, I uh, I have this as a loss. All right. Just too tough. 
We both have the buffs at four and three now, heading into week nine, Friday, October 25th versus USC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're ever going to beat the Trojans, this is the year, especially getting them at Folsom. Gotta really make it count. Um, and yet I have so little confidence that they'll make it happen. If if only because it is USC and the Buffs have played USC 13 times, the first one coming in 1927. The average deficit has been 20 points and USC has never won. You mean All right, CU's Colorado's never won. Never won. Yeah. Sorry. USC has always won. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, until they make it happen, I'm not going to say that it's going to be the first time. No, and I think, I mean, it's it's one of the least talented Trojan squads in the last few years, and yet they still have a decent amount of talent. Uh, that wide receiving core is no joke. The, the lines on both sides are good. I think JT Daniels is going to take a step uh, in his development, and, you know, they're coming off what I'm projecting to be three losses in a row. That's just not the kind of momentum you want going into the USC game, so I'm predicting this to be a loss. Same here. Uh, we both have them falling to 4-4, four and four. and USC, that might be the only group of receivers in the Pac-12 that's better than Colorado's. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's Fair. almost when you look at these two teams next to each other, it, it almost feels like across the board, like, USC just kind of edges them out. You want JT Daniels or Steven Montez? Yeah. No, like, I mean. Just right. just JT Daniels by a little bit. The receivers, yeah. ah, maybe you do go USC. You lose you lose LaVisca, but they have good young receivers. And it yeah. just like feels like that's that's how USC works. I know. Like they're that's just who USC well, has been. You know, their strength is they're built inside out. They get all that talent from the LA area, from Southern they do. California. They and do. And that makes them stout in the trenches and when things kind of match up evenly in other areas, that advantage in the trenches can go a long way. Yeah. So buffs are at four and four, according to both of us. Uh, mm-hmm. Week 10, Saturday, November 2nd, UCLA. At the Rose Bowl. At the Rose Bowl. UCLA, another team that's tough to gauge because, you know, how bad was year one under Chip Kelly? How much improvements will they find? I think this, this, this is a win. This is that other road win in the Pac-12. I do, too. I mean, Buffs beat the Bruins pretty big last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like Chip Kelly. I think that Chip Kelly's going to turn the program around. I don't think that he's ready to do that this season. Yeah. Yeah. Though, I mean, if they have some moderate improvements, uh, this would be one of those games that they win when they lost it last year. So... I mean, you True. don't take the Bruins lightly, and no road game's going to be easy. But yeah, I'm, I'm afraid this one's a. The, I I'm I'm calling this a win. Me too. I think that I I would count this as another one of those fifty fifty games, though. I think that that Fair. that that makes it three and two. I'm picking Colorado in the fifty fifty games, Fair. and they improved to five and four. Week eleven, uh, Saturday, November 9th versus Stanford. Yeah. I think it's interesting to go back through the schedule for Stanford before this game. So mm, week yes. seven, they have a bye. Week eight, they're home against UCLA. Mm-hmm. Week nine, they're home against Arizona. Okay. Week 10 is a bye. Week 11, they go to Boulder to play Colorado. That's not a tough stretch. No, they're feeling, they're feeling fresh. They're feeling hot. They're feeling fresh coming into this one for sure. They are. 
Yeah, which isn't great because I feel like they're kind of thin compared to Stanford programs of the past. But the the star like the stars that they have are 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 legit. You know, um, on offense it's three guys: KJ Costello and tight end Colby Parkinson, and left mm-hmm. tackle Walker Walker Little, and on defense it's a uh, stud corner Paulson Adebo. And I, and he matches up well on Lavisca. That's the thing. He's oh, six yeah. foot one. He was a sophomore last year. Second team All American. Or yeah, like that's kid is that's incredible stuff. Really physical, talented kid. And who knows? Like it's tough to take anybody in a matchup one on one against Lavisca. Yeah, I mean, I still think Visca is gonna do his thing. But but that's I mean that's a scary scary place. You know, you don't yeah. you don't want to have to. Uh, it's. It's ugly. You need LaVisca to win this very obviously if you want to have a chance in this game. And, you know, again, it's another one of those 50-50 games. It's in Boulder. Maybe maybe yeah. Stanford drops a game to UCLA or to Arizona, and then all of a sudden they're in, like, this weird place where they have one win in four weeks when they haven't really played anybody. Even with the home field advantage, it feels like a 60-40 game for Stanford. Do you? Do you think so? And it's another one where I think, like, the— they just are the stronger team in the trenches. Now, it could be that Mustafa Johnson just dominates and really gives that that D-line and that front seven a boost. Um, and then all of a sudden, these games where it's like, eh, well, they're going to be get bullied around in the trenches uh, becomes a little less realistic because uh, guys like Mustafa Johnson and those linebackers I've talked up really hold their own against the big boys in the conference. But, yeah, I just... Like veteran side out, veteran quarterback. They match up well. well it just yeah. it doesn't feel like a game where they're going to fall asleep. Right, right. And we both have the buffs five and four now. We had or them at five and four with and the four UCLA now. Six win. And four now. Are you sure it's not five and five? Oh, five and five. They're losing, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving along, they get their second bye of the season in week twelve. Washington. And, and then week thirteen, they play Washington. In Boulder. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's nice that these two games are at home. It's just such a brutal stretch. It is. I mean, they play all the big dogs in the Pac-12. ESPN says this is all the sixth them. toughest schedule in the country. Oh, yeah. I, I believe it. Um, Washington. You know, hey, Jacob Eason could easily be just fool's gold. Just a recruiting True. hype and nothing more than that. And. You know, uh, everything works out swimmingly from there, and Washington kind of hits their first bump in the road since Chris Peterson's joined the program. They're just so strong everywhere else, even yeah. though they've lost a lot of talent, you know. What what makes me optimistic so for Colorado is that they held tight to Washington last year. It was 17-13 with just a couple minutes left before it kind of ballooned from there. Things got out of hand. Okay, And also... Byron Murphy's gone. The secondary got a little bit weaker. Like that opens things up for this passing offense that I think the Buffs will run. We we heard yesterday that starting to build an identity is a running first offense. That's not true. You you have Katie Nixon and LaVisca Chenault and then a, a bunch of guys behind them too well, that are going to be Mont- fighting for like time. A senior and then Montez. quarterback. And Montez though did not play well in this game last year. And I still think their talent on defense is going to be Tough to match up with, you know. They just plug and play, you yep. know, onto the next one. They're, they're they've become that type of program. So I mean, you really need Steven to have a a big game to win. Uh, and 
I just don't see that happening against this defense and that defensive coaching staff. I agree. I agree. I don't think they can. They'll, they will win. But I do think that there is upset potential there just because LaVisca against those cornerbacks, it's a better hey, matchup than it was last you. year when they held close. I hear you. Now we're on to the last, Five and six. last game of the season. The Buffs play Utah at Utah Saturday, at November 30th. Tough. And we both have them fighting for bowl eligibility here. Yeah. Um, Utah's just so strong. Again, mm-hmm. in the trenches, that's uh, that's kind of one of my deals is, you know, football's football's won by the big uglies. Um, and I think Utah just has such an advantage on that defensive line. And Defensively, their line, they are Their entire tough. defense. Yeah, right. Their entire exactly. defense. Exactly, which is really going to test them. This is another of those matchups where – you know, they have a star cornerback that's going to match up well for yep. Visca. Uh, so, you, yeah, and it's at Utah. Not an easy place to win. And I think the Utes, the Utes will be playing for some important stuff at this point you in their season. You think they'll have a chance to be playing for, like, a college football playoff appearance? I think it's very possible, yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they're that kind of team with that kind of defense. Right. And don't sleep on them on offense because they've got some talent there too. You know, talented Tyler Huntley is good. He is love their running back Zach Zach Moss. Yep. Moses Moss. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, man. Um. I think this this is probably after at Oregon the toughest road game of the entire year, and I think it's an L and it's five and seven. I agree. I think it is five and seven. So just to like flashback to what ESPN said. They say, uh, according to one of their metrics, 3.9. Another one has the buffs at 4.5 wins. We have them at 5. I take the over on both of those fairly easily. Yeah. Now, of course, for me, 5 and 7, They, but I have them winning against Nebraska. That's one of those toss-ups, which they could easily. Yeah, I, and so I, I think I have them like 3 and 2 in those games we called toss-ups. Right. Maybe it ended up being 3 and 3, depending on what you call Stanford. Right. So, you know... There, there's room there. They just, yeah. they kind of need to open Hot. four and one at worst, and be really good at home, and be really like good at home. If you could upset Stanford or UCLA at home, or USC, USC, at home, yep, or even just beat Arizona at home, like you know, go five hundred at home in those conference games. I mean, geez, even in the out-of-conference, because Nebraska and Air Force aren't a breeze. Um, Seriously. But, you know, have a winning record at home, that's really going to open things up. Bowl eligibility, you have to beat Colorado State. You have to beat Nebraska. Let's not say Nebraska. Let's say Colorado State, Air Force, Arizona State, that's three. UCLA is four. And then you have, like, two wins out of Stanford, USC, Arizona, Nebraska. You know, that's just just what the situation is like. Or you pull a crazy upset that I don't think either of us are expecting. That's the schedule. Dre and I both have them at five and seven. We'll see what actually happens. A lot of things can change before, I mean, three months from now. You never know what the teams will look like. But before we move on to take a couple of questions, I want to tell you all about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. 
CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, now, moving into the final segment, we want to talk about a couple of questions that we have received. The first one comes in actually from Twitter. I got in the DMs the day that I was asking for a couple more questions from Twitter, and I'm finally circling back to it from Kramer 44 He asked, can we expect to see KD get more time in the slot? His size and skill set seem to be mishandled on the outside. I actually asked KD about this today, and he said he is going to play wherever they ask him to line up, which, you know, that's a that's a football player answer. Yep. We'll see what that means exactly. But another interesting thing that he said is that this is a really unselfish group of receivers, that they all just want to do what's best for the team, um, whether that's lining up in the slot, lining up outside, blocking was something that he noted. And then I asked him, you know, is that a new thing? Is that something different than what's happening before when with these receiver groups? And he said... We don't want to talk about the past. So I take that as a yes. Yeah. Uh, seemed to imply a little when you let me listen to the quote that, yeah, there was some selfishness going on in years past. Not so much anymore. So, And that's good a good them. sign. Yeah. So we don't really know where Katie's going to line up. Again, calling back to da- Daniel Jeremiah, who says that they're going to be running more pro-style routes. I'd expect him to be I more think, in the slot. I think that they'll throw him in there. I'd expect a lot of 11 personnel with kind of Visca being that movable piece, which uh, it's 11 personnel, which is, you know, three wide receiver sets. But sometimes it feels more like a two wide receiver, two back set. Yep. Sometimes it feels more like a two tight end set because of how malleable Visca can be schematically. Agreed. Um Silver Buff chimes in. He just wanted to comment on yesterday's podcast where we kind of talked about Montez. And he said, Montez should have a short leash this year. And, you know, that sounds good because, you know, we don't know what to expect from him. But we were talking about this today with Ryan. And maybe I'll just have Ryan come on tomorrow to talk more about it. There you go. But he said, the thing is, who do you replace him with? Yeah. It's not like any of these guys, like... Really, the only option that truly makes a lot of sense is Blake Stenstrom. Not because you think he's going to make the team better, because none of these guys are better quarterbacks than Steven Montez. But, you know, he's a redshirt freshman, and so maybe you're just working for the future, getting him a couple more reps. What do you think? Uh, I mean, he's he, he should have, I agree 100%, he should have a short leash. At the same time, he's easily your best option just because of what, everything you just mentioned. And also... Going back to 2016, I suppose, was the rise season. You know, entering that year, not everyone was all that high on Sefalufa. Nope. You know, it, yeah. it'd been like, okay, we we kind of feel like we know what this guy's going to do. Maybe it's time to give the young guys another shot. And then Montez comes in and beats Oregon. Right, right, which for a lot of people made it feel like okay let's roll with this guy you just put a 40 burger on oregon at oregon and really was able to allow these wide receivers to break out in full cepho though was clearly the best option you know there's just something that happens when you're an upperclassman especially entering your senior year where everything kind of clicks and hopefully that's the kind of season it is for Steven, I know it's been mixed reports a bit from camp for how he's playing. And yeah, I mean, today Mel said, I mean, everything we've heard from Mel has 
mostly been positive. I said yesterday on the podcast that Media Day, he said he's as talented a quarterback as he's ever seen, which, you know, is great. And we've heard most days him say, you know, Steven Montez is playing well. Today, Mel said he was really locked in on his deep balls. Mm -hmm. I think he said he was like just spinning it out there. So that's what you want to see with these receivers. He can do that. We just have not really seen much, obviously. We had the one practice, and he didn't play well in that one practice. And consistency is key for him. Because yep. obviously the talent is there. We've, we've said that. That's no secret to us. It's just he can be maddingly inconsistent. And, you know, that, that between the ears just needs to develop. And that decision making needs to, needs to improve significantly. Yep. Moving on to the next question, which comes in from B. Bector 22 He asked, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal and how easy it seems to be to get a waiver and play immediately? For example, five-star Brew McCoy enrolled at USC in the winter, transferred to Texas for spring ball, and then transferred back to USC for the summer, and I think is eligible to play. He came back and edited and said, actually, no, he isn't, but most guys are. Says, uh, seems absolutely ridiculous to me and becoming too much like free agency. You can basically get a waiver for anything these days. Uh, For example, Tate Martell transferred from Ohio State to Miami when Justin Fields transferred in. He was given a waiver to play, so I guess added competition constitutes a hardship waiver. You know, for me, I'm fine with it. Yeah. You know, if a guy wants to go play football somewhere else, why not let him go play football somewhere else? Like, sure, it makes it feel like free agency. It means that guys... I mean, it looks like guys aren't valuing their education as much as they're valuing football, but are we still pretending that they are? Like, really, if sure. these guys, if they're there to play football, they want to transfer to play football, who are we to say, no, you're in college to go to school. If you make a commitment, you have to go to school where you said you were going to school. Like, if a guy wants to go play football somewhere else, I'm fine with him playing football wherever he wants to play. It does change the game for sure if you're mm-hmm. just letting that happen, but it's changing the game in favor of letting players do what, players let's say why are we even calling them players letting people do what people want to do yeah and i I don't know what do you think dre i mean i think if a regular student could transfer you know like that's true brew mccoy southern california kid wants to transfers you know uh kind of gets gets the appeal of going to texas then gets there and is homesick because you know he's like 20 years old yeah. Um, and then wants to go back home to the school he started from. Any student's allowed to do that. That's totally fine. They are. So why shouldn't that football player be allowed to do that? Um, Tate Martell, yeah, it's a little like free agency. It's true. Tate Martell was at Ohio State, lost his head coach in Urban Meyer. True. Who he wanted to play under. They get a guy from the transfer portal in Justin Fields. And that's what motivates him to leave because he'd waited, he'd waited for his shot, finally gets his shot, and they bring in someone else to kind of steal his spot. I mean, so you know, it it makes sense. I think it I think it's fair. And I think the other thing is it makes for a better product. It's true. You know, the Tate Martell not sitting on the bench at Ohio State and starting at Miami might make the ACC more competitive. Yeah. That's a good thing for everyone. Yeah. That'll make these rankings more fair. That'll make the the selection committee more fair, the playoff race more entertaining. So as fans, I'm all for it. I think, you know, you need to 
kind of tread a fine line. I can see how, yeah, it, it gets a little excessive at times. Um, but, you know, the, the having to wait out a year always seemed a little unfair, too. Yeah. Um, I think, there, you know, this maybe isn't the perfect solution, but I think it's a better solution than what we had before. Yep. And I, I think, you know, just going back to it, if somebody wants to go somewhere else, I mean, it's not – it's like they, they signed a piece of paper saying they were going to play football at whatever school. That's their commitment. I mean, it's they aren't getting paid millions of dollars to stay there or that kind of stuff. They get a scholarship. And I just think that if they think that they're, what's, what's in their best interest is to play somewhere else, then let them play somewhere else because somewhere else will give them that same scholarship. You know, and there's a lot of factors that go in. Sometimes it's purely football motivated and I'm all right with that. Sometimes I want to get closer to family. That's cool with me too. Their coach leaves and they want to play for a different coach than the one the school decided to bring in. Sure. Why not? Um, It's, it just makes more sense to me to let these kids do what they want to do. On the other hand, though, coming from Montana, I know Travis Dekir, the basketball coach, really believed, and actually uh, Shannon Schwain, the women's basketball coach as well, they both believed that what's best for these kids is to sit out a year when they do come into a new situation, whether that's as a freshman or whether it's as a transfer who could have played. Redshirting just makes more sense because they want them to get accustomed to the system, that they want them to spend a year understanding, like, not just what's expected of them on the basketball court, the plays they're running, that kind of stuff, but also getting used to their new surroundings because that makes the transition easier. Right. Which, hey, I think is totally fine. I just hope that those coaches, if you're about to take on a transfer that's coming to your program, make it clear that, look, when you're going to come yeah. here, I fully expect you're going to redshirt yeah, because just I have think that, that's what's best for you. Have that conversation. Give give the people i mean they're adults they're 20 21 whatever so right. i mean i guess sometimes they're 18 19 but still right give them all the information they can have say hey you're coming to ohio state we're gonna let you play and let some other coach say hey you want to come to miami we're gonna have you sit out a year and here's why here's why we think it's best for you and then let let the individual make whatever decision makes sense for their particular circumstance and they might might make the wrong decision but I think it's like their right to make that decision for themselves. Absolutely. All right. That's what I'm thinking. If you guys disagree, uh, if you think there's something else, of course, chime in with the comments. We'll talk more about it tomorrow if the conversation keeps going. Uh, the last comment of the day comes in from B Mixer. He says, a couple of things about the video board. So, Dre, yesterday I was talking about how I was surprised how small the video board is mm. at Folsom. I mm. thought that it was going to be bigger. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> just because, you know, this is a Pac-12 school, and that's sure, not sure. something that sure. I, you know. Okay. I read through this one earlier and thought it was kind of interesting. Um, if it is too big, it covers up the view of the flat irons, and that is a touchy subject. And rumor is that they are limited because of the wind, soil, and having an underground river under the stadium. Wow. My goodness, this is wild. This is like the DIA, like, you <laughs> the know. The DIA's like, conspiracy, yes. Exactly, yes. like whatever, the Illuminati has a secret thing down there. The, I actually am really interest, interested in this, and I want to talk to some people in the athletics department, like, why is it? Is it just like if you don't want to block the view of the flat irons, makes sense. Yeah, all for it. Makes sense. And I do think that they might have a bigger one on the other, other end of the stadium. Gorgeous from it the is. press box, especially when you can just get that bird's eye view. It's out of this world. It is. Also, it's true that like 
if you want to look at the mountain, you could look at the mountain instead of going to the football game. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Some people like both, Henry. Don't, don't discount I that. I know. It looks good on Instagram. <laughs> but, yeah, it is really cool. It would suck to lose some of that view i do want to ask people though is there like an underground river that's preventing things that sounds <laughs> wild to me like there's no way that's right but if it is that's incredible um i, I leave that i leave that for you to uncover <laughs> oh i will uh i think they could do better but those are the rumors out there uh since you cannot view it can you ask tucker how montez is doing on his underneath and medium routes You've been big on the medium routes. So. I love those routes. Those are so my favorite give routes. Give us the lowdown. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out. I Because like I mentioned earlier, today Mel said that he was, you know, he threw the ball well in the deep routes. Right. It's important. It's not a lot of your passes, though. So, yeah, I'll definitely poke around there, see if I can figure anything out. They've Henry's been pr- going pretty like, tough. <coughs> small sample size. Small sample <laughs> size. I mean, yeah, today, there, you know, um, whatever. But Saturday, they didn't look good. We talked yesterday about all the reasons that could be. I mean, it obviously, it was a tough day for him. He no. didn't know if his friends or family were safe. Just to close off that discussion, he did say today that his friends and family in El Paso are safe. Good. And that's good news. Good, good, good. So we're going to end this show on some good news. Excellent. Thanks for coming on today, Dre. Always a pleasure, buddy. It was a blast. Yeah. Lots of good buffs talk. I'll be back tomorrow with Ryan Konigsberg, who you heard from briefly. We'll talk about what we learned from Mel Tucker after our meeting with him, break down any questions you guys have, and I'm sure talk about a bunch of other stuff too. So tune in to that, and also subscribe using the code SCOBUFFS, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S. Free shirt, $10 off a yearly subscription, brings the price down to $34.99. means that you get to read all of our stuff, and more importantly, it means that you guys beat the Rams fans, and that's what's really most important here can i say truly most importantly is fans and fan interest is gonna directly lead to media interest definitely and the media and between the fans and the media that's what's gonna raise the standards and keep people accountable at that program and that's what's gonna lead to winning yes so you know not to be too pie in the sky right now but this this truly is going to help the Buffs program if you subscribe to BS. Wow, I like it. Yeah, I, just I mean, yeah, you guys show that you're interested, show that you care what's happening, and it'll put them in better shape. Yeah. All right, uh, that's it for today. Subscribe. Uh, actually, I didn't. I don't think this has come up. We are six subscriptions ahead of those guys now. We were down one yesterday. So just so you know, it's close. Like the line's 11, guys, so (laughs) got to beat them by more than six. The line is 11. We've got a few weeks left. Make it happen. Thanks again, Dre. It was a blast. We'll do this again next week. Uh, See you tomorrow. Bye, guys. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes.
lies. I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Hey. And we ain't playing with ya. You can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage. We gon' win it at the line. Yeah. I call a bottle swag in the middle of the ring.